We heard St. Peter tell us this morning, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen. When you're a Christian saints, Jesus tells us, do not let your heart be troubled. Knowing I'd be preaching on this text, I asked our homebound members, what troubles them? Here are some of the things they said. They're lonely. They're often far away from family. They have health problems. Some of them are hard of hearing. They have difficulty seeing. They have heart issues or breathing issues. They're afraid of going senile or living in constant pain. They have to get used to slowing down. They're not able to do as much as they used to be able to do. They miss coming to church. They oftentimes have to have someone come to the house so that they can then leave the house. They are troubled that their children have given up the Christian faith that they were baptized and confirmed into. And then that troubles them that their grandchildren are not baptized. They miss their house. They miss their spouse. And one that hit really close to me, one lady said that she missed riding her bike. Our older saints definitely have troubles. So I asked that same question of our 8th graders. And they gave me some of their serious and not so serious troubles. They answered, my schedule, missing the bus, struggles with the family when the bathroom at home is full. They said, what my peers think of me, feeling like I don't fit in, if I might if I might be, uh, leave my faith someday, standing next to tall people. They said, bad grades. Not learning the important stuff in school, like how to do taxes. Not being able to find a job after school. People. Mr. M, that's their eighth grade teacher. They said, my grandma, who isn't talking to me right now. Losing a loved one. Not knowing what the future holds. Moving. Waking up early just to go to school, and that Pastor Zarling is so short. Well, Jesus knows that his disciples of all ages are going to have troubles. And you may share some of those same troubles as our senior citizens, or maybe the same troubles as our teenagers, or maybe your troubles are somewhere in between. But whatever your troubles are, Jesus is teaching you that not to let your troubles trouble you. The setting of our sermon text is Thursday of Holy Week. Jesus has entered Jerusalem with a Palm Sunday procession. Then early Monday morning, he went to the temple courtyard and cleared it out of all of the money changers, the sacrificial animals, and the merchants selling the animals. And then he spent all day Monday and Tuesday teaching in that now vacated temple courtyard. It appears like Wednesday he took the day off and rested because Thursday and Friday he was busy. Thursday evening he has just washed his disciples' feet as the Passover meal is getting prepared and set out on the table. Jesus takes the opportunity to then teach his disciples. And that teaching takes up five chapters in John's Gospel. Part of that teaching is our sermon text. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me, so that you may also be where I am. You know where I'm going, and you know the way. Jesus is talking to his disciples like he is a mother of a four-year-old daughter who is dropping that daughter off at preschool for the first day of school. That little girl is apprehensive. She's scared. She's clingy. Her eyes are welling up with tears. And so mom comforts her by introducing her to the teacher who's very nice and showing her all of her friends from church that are in the preschool with her, and then also showing her all the toys the teacher has in the classroom. The, teach, the mother also reassures her daughter in saying that she has to go to work now, but she'll come back to school after her work is over and take her daughter home with her. Jesus is also like the father of a 16-year-old son. That father is telling his son that he's going away. He's in the Marines, and he's going off to war, and now his son has to man up to be the man of the house. And the son is trying to man up, and yet he's scared. He's apprehensive. He's clingy. His eyes are welling up with tears. And yet the dad assures him when the war is won, he will come back home. Jesus is reassuring his disciples, his spiritual children, that he's going away for a while. He's going to have to die, to leave this world, and then go to his Father in heaven. And as he's speaking these words of teaching to his disciples in the upper room, Judas has already left, and he has gone to betray Jesus into the hands of his enemies, into the hands of the Sanhedrin. By Friday evening, the disciples will have known that Jesus has been betrayed and arrested, put on trial, denied by Peter, deserted by the rest of the disciples. He has been crucified, and his corpse has been placed into the tomb. And now they are grieving, thinking that Jesus is gone forever. But Jesus comforts their troubled hearts by reminding them that though he is going away, on the last day he is going to come back so that he can take them to be with him. Jesus is reminding his disciples, his spiritual children, that he's going off to war. He is going into battle against the ancient serpent of the devil. He is going to have all of humanity's sins placed upon himself. He is going to battle against death. And in that battle, Jesus is going to die. He is going to be struck by the fangs of the serpent in his perfect heel. He is going to have all of the sins of humanity placed upon his godly shoulders. He will fight to the death And he'll die. And he will appear as a criminal. He will look like he is the victim. He will seem like he's a loser. And yet, looks can be deceiving. That though the serpent will strike Jesus' perfect heel, Jesus will also then be close enough to step down and crush the ancient serpent's head. That he will take all of humanity's sins upon his godly shoulders and then remove sins forever from humanity, at the same time taking on himself his Father's wrath upon all of those sins. He is not a criminal. 
he is the Holy One of Israel. He is not a loser. He is a King of kings and Lord of lords. He is not a victim. He is the victor. So, like any loving parent, Jesus reassures his scared, apprehensive, clingy children. He is telling them, in the same way that you and I might speak to a child, I'm going away. And where I'm going, you can't go with me. But trust in me. Trust also in God. I'm going to go get things ready for you. And then I'm going to come back. And then you're going to be with me again. The disciples don't get it. Because they're going through troubles. When you go through troubles, you often hear things, but don't often listen to things. You hear things, but don't always believe everything. These disciples are like that scared little child when mom is going away. They are like that scared older teenager when dad is going off to war. They're like us anytime we are facing troubles. But that's why Jesus gives them these words so they could go back and remember them over the course of the next few days so those words could comfort them. And that's why Jesus gives us his words recorded in Scripture, these words and countless other words. So when we are troubled, we can go back again and again to those words. And we know that Jesus always keeps his promises. Because, fellow saints, we are Jesus' present-day troubled disciples. Sometimes that trouble comes because others bring it on us. Sometimes that trouble comes because we bring it on ourselves. Or sometimes that trouble is simply because we are sinful people living in a sinful world. And when trouble comes, and trouble will come, sometimes when we bring it on ourselves or when others bring it on us, what do we like? Our hearts are Anxious, angry, apprehensive, scared, clingy, confused. Our hearts are troubled. And so Jesus speaks to his troubled disciples of all ages. Do not let your heart be troubled. That Greek word for trouble there carries with it the idea of churning. Like when it's a very windy day and, the, and Lake Michigan is churning. Or when your stomach and your heart is churning when there's trouble. Jesus tells you to stop letting your heart be churned up by trouble. Keep believing in God, believing also in me. Because Jesus doesn't just say to his disciples, patting them on the head, everything will be all right. He pats them on the head and says, everything will be all right. Everything will be all right because you keep on believing in God. Everything will be all right because you keep on believing in me. And fellow troubled saints, what do you do when trouble comes on you? I think for most of us, the natural thing to do is to pray to, for God to remove that trouble. And that's a fine prayer. But is it always the wisest prayer? Because what does Scripture say? That God uses trouble so that he can comfort us, so that we can then comfort others in their troubles. So if we pray for the troubles to be taken away from us, now we may not find comfort to give to others to comfort them in their troubles. Scripture says that God can use our troubles to refine us and purify our faith. So if we don't have troubles, our faith may not be purified and refined. Scripture says that God uses trouble to teach us patience and perseverance. Perseverance. 
We can't learn to be patient. We certainly can't learn to persevere through troubles if we don't go through troubles. And Scripture also says that oftentimes we get too comfortable in our home here. And so God causes trouble to get us ready to go to our more permanent home of heaven. Jesus doesn't promise to always remove our troubles. What he does promise is to give us forgiveness, to give to others when they trouble us. He promises to give forgiveness to others so that they can apply that forgiveness to us when we've caused trouble to them. Jesus doesn't promise to remove us from our troubles. But what he does promise is to remove our troubles and from us eternally and eventually on the last day. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. And when Jesus says, I am going there to prepare a place for you, he means I'm going to prepare a place for you tonight and tomorrow. Through his betrayal, denial, arrest, conviction, and crucifixion, he is preparing a room for those disciples in the upper room. He is preparing a room for you in this room of the sanctuary. He is going to prepare a room through his substitutionary death and sacrificial atonement on the cross. He is going to prepare a room for you through him being closed up in the room of the tomb for three days. And then on Easter morning, he bursts forth from that tomb. Forty days later, he goes to his Father's right hand to prepare a room for us in the mansions of heaven. And whether Jesus is preparing a room for us like so many of us memorized in the King James or the NIV, or whether he's preparing a mansion for us like it says in the EHV, what that word in the Greek really means is it's a permanent place. And I think the EHV translates it a mansion because a mansion in our minds is much more permanent than a single room. But either way, you have a permanent place waiting for you after the changing and sifting of this world. So fellow saints, what troubles you? Is it aches and pains as we get older? But Jesus promises you that you are going to have an imperishable, glorious, spiritual body one day. Is it loneliness? Or the fear of you not fitting in and your peers making fun of you and then locking you out of the group. Jesus has brought us into a family of baptized believers. Oh, we'll still make fun of you to your face. But behind your back is when we will have your back. That we will always be there as baptized believers to encourage and comfort you. Is it the heartbreaking news of the world? Or is it the heartaches that are in your own home? Is it present financial struggles? Or is it future health problems that concern you? Whatever it is, Jesus promises that although he has gone and we can't right now go there to be with him, he will one day come back to take us to be with him. Peter, who just couldn't keep his mouth shut in the upper room, now, decades later in his epistle, he has something to say about this. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is undying, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So pray. Pray that Jesus calms your troubled heart. And Jesus may or may not calm your troubled heart by removing the trouble from you. But eventually and eternally, Jesus will remove you from your troubles. So believe that and do not let your heart be troubled. Amen. Please rise. We hear the words of St. Peter again. At one time, you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. At one time, you were not shown mercy. But now you have been shown mercy. Amen.